that's not a life of abundance in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, now I'm not, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but I'll just say it like Gary V's life to me would be hell. Everything about it. There's nothing attractive about that life. Mm-hmm. I've known Tony Robbins for 20 years. I would hate his life. Okay. Hate it. I, to me, a, a, a life of abundance is freedom from and freedom to. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast and community, the Pay It Forward community, in fact. And today, I'm, we are in for a huge treat. Absolutely love uh, the background of our featured guest today. I know you're going to dig him. In fact, you're probably going to want to get a hold of him right after this. And one thing I want to share right up front, I like to share you know, the website so that you get the information right up front. Uh, because some of you don't stick around to the very end, and that's okay. Uh, you got other things to do. We try to make these conversations conversational, and we try to bring you very good um, stories and messages, something that you can grab a hold of so that you know, without the benefit of a doubt, you can, in fact, live a life of abundance. You just have to get into the right mindset, and you have to get around the right people that are have completely done what we could do to push away the scarcity mindset. It's not easy. Sometimes the scarcity mindset comes back into our minds. That's why we have to stay in the the Men of Abundance podcast, stay in the community, and anything else that is abundance in your life and people that are lifting you up instead of trying to bring you down. So I shut my phone off here. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our featured guest today. Let me pull up his bio. Our featured guest today is Mike, and he's known as being the media master who knows how to help his international clients get attention, create premium brands, and elevate status in days. He's a serial entrepreneur, angel investor, judge of entrepreneurs.com, elevator pitch TV show, 13-time best-selling author, co-host of a capability make sure I get the right capability amplifier podcast with strategic coach founder, Dan Sullivan and the big leap with business sage and NYT bestseller author, bestselling author, uh, Gay Hendricks. He's had four businesses, business exits, two to publicly traded companies. His first digital cafe one of the first digital marketing agencies in the world sold to IPG, the Interpublic Group. His two SAAS companies, that's Software as a Service, uh, Traffic Geyser and Instant Customer, were sold to publicly traded companies as well. This, his most recent, was You Everywhere, You Everywhere Now, to a private buyer. Men of Abundance, I want to welcome Mike Kenigs, the now founder of Superpower Accelerator, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mike, 
Welcome to the show, man. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Wally. Appreciate you and appreciate that. And uh, great to be here. Love spending time with other entrepreneurs who are thinking bigger. Yeah, indeed. And I struggled through, I read through your your bio several times and I still struggled through it. All my listeners and watchers and everybody that's connected to me knows I love content. I love video, but reading in front of people, I don't know what it is about it. I just uh, have a problem with it, but I get through it and I I do it because why? I want to grow in it. So there you have it. That's why for so long, I have not done these live episodes and done. And even when I do the show, I record the the bio and all the intro and stuff later because I can do it on my own with a couple takes. But here we go. That's quite all right. I get it. Well, as uh, I like to say to people, um, what about your past would you like to release that might be preventing you from experiencing all that you can receive right now? You know, and and that's an old story that might not be serving you or the people you know, right? Absolutely. uh, Absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's something that I didn't really, you know, build on over the years because I like to build on my strengths and then hand my weaknesses off to somebody else to be honest with you. And we'll have that. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But before we do, where are you at in the world? Um, I'm in La Jolla, California. So um, I've been in San Diego for 20 years now. Um, been married about the same period of time. Got an 18-year-old boy. And um, I grew up in Minnesota, where, as I like to say, I did not like being cold, last, or poor. So one of my goals is to get out of, get out of uh, Minnesota and um, live where it's wealthier and where the weather's as good as it can be year round. And this is probably about the best place in the United States to live. Well, San Diego is a nice place. I do like San Diego. I lived in Hawaii for about 10 years and that is by far the best. Now in Florida, I thought we were going to get the same type of stuff in Hawaii, but it gets cold here and I didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on where you are. And then Hawaii, you got to, you know, like I know, I love Hawaii, but everyone I know who's lived on the islands lasts about four or five years before they start going island crazy. And they're like, I got to get out of here. Too small. Yeah. Well, that was part of my family, actually. Not me and my youngest, we could have stayed there forever. Um, We were there eight years in a full stretch. And then, uh, yeah, just love it, man. And I get it. But, um, you know, one of the things I like to do here as well, when we get, as we get started with our conversation is, the way I start out every single morning, I've started every show for over 300 episodes is what do you have to be grateful for today? Yeah. Well, I think the first one is, um, you know, people who have followed me know that I'm a cancer survivor. So I'm uh, going on my uh, eighth year of being clean, cancer free. That's a, a big winner. I've been married almost 20 years. I got an 18 year old boy who knows who his daddy is. And, um, and I know who he is. So I think the first thing is um, my relationships and my health are always number one. And I've also had the good opportunity to have created uh, a lot of wealth in my life. So I've built and sold five companies now. Um, two were public, publicly traded exits. And, um, and I'm, I'm really good at making money and helping people and, and making a difference. And I'm grateful for that. I grew up in an environment where we didn't have uh, money or resources or mentorship other than I had a great dad who um, was a good example for me. Um, but 
I'm, I'm also grateful. I get to take a lot of time off. I have an enormous amount of freedom because it's something I chose and uh, I do so consciously every day. And those are the kind of people I work with and I help as well. So um, there's not just one thing. There's a whole bunch of them. If I had one little tiny one, uh, I took my wife, we did a four day long weekend, went up to Paso Robles or Paso Robles, depending on how you pronounce it on uh, in, in uh, it's North of LA which is great wine country. And we spent this beautiful, beautiful weekend with some good friends in, in rural California where it's all just fields and trees and, um, and great vines, great wines, and uh, just had a beautiful, beautiful time together. That's, that, that sounds, you paint a beautiful picture right there, man. That sounds absolutely amazing and stuff that my wife and I absolutely love to do. We've been exploring the uh, idea of RVing lately. And one of the cool things that I didn't know about was they have this option for RVers to park. And it's it's called something like um, brew, is wine and brew or something like that. Basically, it's wineries and, and distilleries that allow you to park on premises, for free and you know, a lot of parking at Walmart, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely beats Walmart, man. You know, so uh, the ambiance is much better for sure. So, um, that was something that was very interesting. Highly uh, recommend it. Yeah, we're um, I I just got an MBA in RVs, and I've got a good friend who's been uh, living in his RV for over twenty five years. Um, so he's done it, and um, he actually. He has got a residence in Florida, mm-hmm. but you know, the difference, if you dive in between the class A, class B, class C RVs mm-hmm. and uh, which one have you chosen for your, uh, for your mode of freedom? You know, we don't need the class A as awesome as they are. I think a, a, a nice class C, or that I say class A, we don't need the, the bus, the class A. The class right. C, a nice class C, and we're looking at Thor, not the Thorny brands out there. I'm not sponsoring anything. All but, right. Yeah, you know. Thor's good. <laughs> Check out if you ever get a chance. Check out what are called Class uh, C plus. Yeah, um, those things are freaking amazing, yeah. and they're built on real uh, trucks. You know, they're mm-hmm. basically eighteen wheelers. Peter built Kenworth Freightliner, and um, and the benefit of a Class C plus is they can be repaired by any truck repair facility anywhere. Where you wow. do run into some problems with some of the other ones if you ever have any challenges. But um, I'm with you, man. We're my wife and I have been thinking about it a lot. So uh, good ideas. Yeah, we've spent hours and hours on YouTube following people that have been doing it full time, part time, and we're never we're never going to go full time. We like our headquarters here in Florida. And by the way, most that we watch are have head have been you know from Florida, headquartered in Florida, or something like that. But uh, I don't know what it is about that. But definitely, we're definitely into the lifestyle, man. We're loving it so far. So you know, another thing, you know, we're going to get even more into your professional life. And I spoke a lot of it, you know, in your bio here, but we really like to get personal here on Men of Abundance. We like to get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself personally? Well, um, I'd say, first of all, I'm a survivor. And, um, you know, my wife, uh, she fell in love with me. Um, We were in Greece uh, on a trip, like a group trip. So we had just met there. And I think what she when she describes the story about the day she fell in love with me, it was when um, uh, we were riding through very rural Greece and we're on a tiny motorcycle that had a breakdown. And um, 
she found her way back into the city. Someone picked her up to bring her down to try to find a way to get some repairs and some fuel and stuff like that. And next thing she saw as I was riding down, I got it to, to run and it was sputtering and puttering and I was driving down a whole long, like about a half a mile of stairs right through the middle of town. And she saw me dart through town. She's like, now here's a guy who can just figure stuff out on the fly. And um, so, you know, I'm the kind of guy who can, you know, land in the middle of a jungle with a quarter and we'll figure out no one's going to die and everything's going to be all right. So, you know, just innovating and being creative in a pickle or a spot. And, um, you know, there've been many, many times when I've been, you know, in the whole quarter million or a half million dollars or wondering what the hell is going to happen next. Everything breaks, people leave, customers, you know, just stuff blows up. And at the end of it, always figure out a way to get through it and, um, and not just thrive or survive, but thrive and then reposition something. So it's got lots of value. And, and that's really what entrepreneurship I think is all about is building things of value um, creating deep relationships that are meaningful, creating a brand people trust, and then building that up so it has value, so it's saleable in itself. And as a business owner and entrepreneur, um, some of my biz- biggest successes have come from packaging and selling a business and being able to do it multiple times over. And uh, now I've got the good fortune of helping people build brands and and grow them. So um you know, I'm, I'm really good at finding everyone's value, their superpowers and how to um, position and package them so they can charge the most and be unique brands. Yeah. And, um, and I love doing that. Well, it's obvious because I've checked out quite a bit of what you're doing and watching your videos and stuff and absolutely very professional. And the type of people that you're, you know, you've surrounded yourself with is a definite testament of what you're doing and, and the level that you're doing it at. One of the things that I've realized over the years and talking with so many entrepreneurs, being an entrepreneur myself since I was a little guy, uh, and even when I was an employee, I was still, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, always very innovative. And, and then working, doing what I do now as a business marketing strategist and having the opportunity to work with so many business owners, I'm realizing the difference to me, and I'd love to have, see what your perspective is on this, the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. Because I hear the term serial entrepreneur, but really entrepreneurs, we're, 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 you know, we think about things and we have so many ideas in our head, but we shouldn't start out. That's one of the problems for entrepreneurs is they'll come to me and go, I want this, I'm, I got this going, this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, which one do you want to work on? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I, no, one, choose one. You're not going to work on all of them at the same time. But my point is this entrepreneurs, we, we have so many amazing ideas, but then business owners can take an idea and build it and just keep it going for the long haul. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good distinction. It's, um, you know, I've definitely described myself or have been described as a serial entrepreneur before, which was build it, sell it, build it, sell it, build it, mm-hmm. sell it. And, um, and I also, I th- I'll give you a distinction that may help with this conversation, which is in my experience, I reach a point where, you know, my superpowers are finding a niche, um, crafting a product, creating an offer, building a movement, um, a buyers who stick around and keep on investing, keep on investing and being able to maximize 
the income and revenue while providing the Mac, the best value over and over again. So, you know, like a great business re-engages, constantly re-engages its, its client and customer to buy upgrades and enhancements and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and then <clears throat> what typically would happen is I would reach a upper limit challenge. And that's, uh, um, by the way, I do a podcast with Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap, and it's all about reaching your upper limits. You know, we all hit it. And um, in this particular instance, my upper limits are the business, I outgrow who I am, what I do, why I do it, who I do it for. And the business itself doesn't need me any longer. But um, I have a choice, which is package and sell it. Or what someone would say is, why didn't you build a team that can take it to the next level? And usually the business outgrows the team as well. So the next phase would be the choice really is, um, you know, raise money, build a team, and then get it to the next level. But I look at that and it just represents two to five years of imprisonment to me. Mm -hmm. I have to get the hell out of there or I'm going to die or explode. Mm -hmm. Because everything about that, like I'm a great mentor, I'm a terrible manager, and I don't want to be a great manager. And having a management-driven business that's ruled and governed by the bean counters or by investors is pure unadulterated hell for me. It's nothing I want to have anything to do with. I just want to, when I know I, I need to go away, it's time for me to go away. So <clears throat> I think for... Um, the big distinction between an entrepreneur and a business owner is if you've built and sold a business or you've done it multiple times, you probably have a pretty darn good sense of your evolution and your evolutionary velocity, your own limitations, what your superpowers and unique abilities are and what they aren't. Hmm. And an entrepreneur very frequently, if they're, especially if they're start, stop and they're scattered and then they're all over the place, they just haven't figured out who the hell they are or who they want to be a hero to. And probably haven't nailed their messaging enough to have enough momentum in their sales to keep going. Um, so, again, like I said, I haven't thought about it through your lens before, but I know through my own and my own observations and working with thousands of business owners and entrepreneurs, um, that's definitely what I see is um, – Sometimes your ADHD, your short attention span, and your inability to get something to completion, which really means to consistent, maintainable sales and have a team around to, to do that. Those are, those are the things that uh, really confound um, entrepreneurs that don't experience that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel the same way. Now, I do know that I personally am a great manager, and that just comes from my past of folks that I've managed uh, throughout my career. However, like you said, as much as I, as, as well as I do at that, it's not, it's, it's confining to me. Um, just the same exactly as you. So we're definitely on the same page as far as that's concerned. Now, you've done a lot of things, man. You've done, I mean, goodness, all the businesses you've started and, you know, it, people get this thought process in their mind. And one of the reasons why so many people want to be entrepreneurs is because they see Gary Vaynerchuk where he's at today, or they see, you name your entrepreneur that's out there, you know, Elon Musk, and you've seen some of his, you know, trials and tribulations throughout the years. And somebody would see somebody like you and go, he's a natural. He's been doing great at this his whole life, but we've all got kick and they got moments, both, personal and professional. So if you would 
share with us a kick in the gut moment that really took you to your knees and really make us feel that. Sure. Um, well, I think uh, one of my big uh, moments was my first business cost me a marriage, um, which when I had digital cafe, we had one of the very first digital marketing agencies. We started in 1989, sold it in 1990 or started in 89 and sold it in 99. And, um, that was right before the big dot com bubble blew. And we were doing uh, branded video games. We were doing stuff for 20th century Fox and Sony and at the time, Columbia, which was another uh, movie company, we were working with BMW. We had these huge brands, General Mills. Um, but I was caught in a world of scarcity and fear. And um, we weren't getting paid by these big companies fast enough. And we're growing too quickly. So we're constantly running out of cash. And it got so bad that I, at one point I was $250,000 in the hole. There's no doubt about it. I was just partying and drinking too much um, and just didn't have the mental discipline or, or wherewithal. But more importantly, I just lost focus on someone I loved and cared for deeply until it just fell apart. There was no turning back. It was one of those things. And um, that was a massive kick in the gut. Um, and then... Uh, went through a transformation. That's when I found out and learned about Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer. And I went down that path and eventually went to a big Tony event. 10 years later, he was a client and a friend. Um, and then if you fast forward, um, you know, built and sold another business and then started those software companies, Traffic Guys are an instant customer. And inside of that, um, one big kick was we found out when we had huge success, we were making millions and millions of dollars, but our employees were stealing from us and uh, they were finding very, very creative ways to steal. And, um, and that really was like a kick, right? And, and you think as you're running a business, the story you tell yourself is look at all the things I'm doing for so-and-so. But if you're not, present if you're not watching things if you're not connected with people resentment kicks in and they behave in strange ways people justify their behaviors in all kinds of strange ways like ah that'll never go unnoticed or this isn't really that or um you know screw him he's got his where's mine or whatever it is you know mm -hmm. humans are interesting animals when they when they uh, are in groups and then um you know, you fast forward a little bit further when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was the accumulation of stress and pressure. And one day I was, I had blood coming out of my rear end and I asked my wife, you know, uh, you know, I told her about it and she says, get to the hospital now. And I went in, got my colonoscopy and the doctor came out and said, um, I don't need a biopsy to tell you what you got. You're a dead man in six months unless you get that thing cut out like this weekend. And, um, I had late stage three, a colorectal cancer and I went, ended up, they cut out half of my insides. So my colon is half gone. I have half a rectum and then they, they basically stapled me together. And the good news is all my parts work fine. I have a, a normal life now, but I got to watch my diet big time. You know, I got to really, uh, look at it, but that was a huge mental breakthrough because for a year I belonged to my oncologist, you know, it was major surgery, chemotherapy, radiation. 
But as a result of that, um, I wrote my first book and that turned into a new business, a new empire in itself that became like a $10 million franchise over time. So, um, you know, every one of these downfalls has led to a profound shift in consciousness, a profound shift in behavior and mindset, and I'm better for it. You know, even my last business just about cost me my current marriage of 20 years now because I took my eye off the ball. I got focused on other things. It almost cost me my relationship with my son who, you know, might not have known who I am and I wouldn't know who he is if I wouldn't have had those wake up calls. Yeah. Resilience is, is a powerful, is, is just, it's a muscle just like anything else. Um, the more you go through, the stronger you get, the more you learn if you make it through those things. And, you know, many people do, some people don't, unfortunately, they, they take a permanent, uh, how's it, how's it go? Uh, they take a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Uh, and that's what all of them are. They're temporary problems, but those were huge. That was kicking the gut on steroids, man. I mean, everything from, you know, all the business stuff going on to your personal life. And, and you're right, you know, when it comes to business people and just somebody taking something from somebody else, you know, they justify like now with stuff going on, well, they got insurance. Well, no, not if it's taken that way, uh, for instance, but they do rationalize a lot of things, but it's all scarcity mindset. And that's what we're trying to get away from here, guys. We're trying to get away from this, as you said, you know, people have a tendency to do things and then justify it for certain reasons. And it always goes back to some sort of scarcity mindset, taking from others. Well, he's got his, why can't I have mine? Well, he worked for his, you gotta go do what you gotta do for yours. Or, you know, some were obviously born into born into it and they just don't respect it as well as the others. But thanks for sharing that, Mike. I mean, seriously, so much there that you shared with us, from all of that, and I know that you've grown through it, what is the biggest takeaway from everything that, that you've been through throughout the course of your life that you could share with our listeners right now that would kind of give them a boost up in their personal life uh, or their business? Because most people listening, many of them are entrepreneurs, but not all of them. Boy, there's a lot of lessons, but here's something that, you know, I work with very high net worth individuals. So my, my typical client their net worth between 2 million and a hundred million, sometimes more. And one consistent thing that I find in all of them. So they come to me and they're like, I want to reinvent. I want to build a new brand. I want to uh, uh, craft, you know, I want to take what I have and get out of selling on the basis of price or some commoditized mindset to selling on the basis of value and, um, and branding. And what I find all these people who are stuck in some way have in common is we're all held back by our past traumas or stories about the way things are or the way things were. And even when you start building and growing, so think about this through the lens of, of a celebrity. And I saw this not long ago on a John Rogan podcast. He was interviewing Miley Cyrus. Now, um, and this goes for any celebrity, but I'm, I'm using you, meaning anyone who's listening or watching to this right now is you're the celebrity in the story, which is imagine if you were just a kid from a little town who struggled, maybe didn't come from money 
got picked on, so you're bullied, and um, you've got all kinds of old stories about your own self-worth and your value. And along the way, you've got a breakthrough. Maybe you write a song or you perform something, you get discovered, and suddenly, overnight, you are famous. And you're treated a certain way. And then you're, you're shielded, you're filtered, um, and you start making strange decisions that are not healthy to you because you live in a bubble and people are telling you the way things are um, versus the way you used to perceive them. And of course you just buy into it because suddenly you're surrounded with money and wealth, but you're insulated and shielded. And uh, the net, net is that person who suddenly became famous overnight still is the same broken child or kid from wherever they came from. They haven't evolved. There hasn't been an emotional uh, growth or velocity. And the point of the story is everyone, all of us are stuck in some way, shape, or, or we're anchored down by old traumas, old stories that no longer serve not only who we are and who we've become, but who we wish to be and who we wish to serve. And um, I spend a considerable amount of time doing exercises and they simply are opening up your ability to receive. And so um, I, I told you early on, I, I, I have a place on the beach in, in La Jolla, California. So I do my event. I do when I do private coaching and advising, I let my clients stay at the beach place. And the first thing we do is we stand outside overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And I say, look at that ocean. It is a metaphor for all that God has available to you. It is infinitely resourceful. Everything you could ever need to live on exists in that ocean. It's infinite abundance. And the question to ask yourself right now is, are you willing to receive all that God wants to give to you, share with you, or all that is available, that creation is made available to you? Or do you have a reason why you can't? Is there an old story that prevents you from saying yes? Is there a reason why you say you're not worthy? And, you know, it goes deeper than that, but that's effectively what the exercise is. And it winds up being very, very transformational for people because ultimately at the end of it, I, I like to say, I want to welcome you to the first day of the rest of your life when those old stories, those that served helping you become who you are and building your character no longer serve you and who you wish to become and who you are going to be and who you wish to serve. And just experiencing that level of emotional and spiritual freedom is profound for most people. And again, I way went through it quickly. This is generally mm. an hour-long exercise, and there's some other stuff that we do along with it. But, um, you know, there's, uh, I think that that's the biggest thing is, is freeing yourself from the barriers and the burdens and, and allowing yourself to craft and create a future-paced vision of who you wish to become, who you're going to show up as. And that's basically really what I do with people now is, is I craft a new offer based upon a future-paced version of them that they get to grow and live into starting now. Mm -hmm. So just imagine being brand new and be given that freedom. And that, um, for me, is incredibly freeing and useful because I get to practice it, you know, m usually multiple times a week. And um, I get to watch what it does for someone and, and watch them step into a new identity. 
and identity uh, is can be a very dangerous and very powerful tool when it's used properly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see it all the time in, in uh, military personnel that get their career cut short, um, especially infantrymen. You know, that's all they were ever going to do, you know, to the rest of their life and probably even die doing that, quite frankly. Um, and they get injured and they can't go on and it's their, their whole life is completely disrupted. And you just got to readjust the identity. That's not who you are. It's what you do. Ironically enough, there was a question on Facebook just this morning on one of the memes and somebody asking, what out of Think and Grow Rich do you practice or are you practicing now? So I was like, hmm, I don't know. So let me pull my book down and you can see the pages of this book. I've had this book since the early 90s. I've written in it. I've got all kinds of stuff in here. This is my oldest version. And I used to lend books, but I don't do that anymore. I buy people books. But I was going through the table of contents. And, you know, I can honestly say I practice everything, every chapter out of this book to include sex transmutation, which I literally just realized, believe it or not, after reading this book multiple times, I skipped over that chapter or something. I literally just realized that chapter like two years ago. Seriously, and I've been practicing it. But then I've also got Tony Robbins, uh, one of his guides here from UPW that I went to a couple of years ago, and it's still sitting here. And I went, what am I doing out of this too? Because I do the priming every morning and stuff like that. My point of bringing that up, guys, is this. You know, when you're doing stuff like this, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a one, it, it, you know, shower, I think it was Jim Rohn used to say, showers are great, but you got to do them. Every, you got to take a shower every day. You know, it's the same thing with the mindset. It's what Tony calls spaced repetition. Tony Robbins. That's where I first heard it. Anyway, I don't know if you coined it, but spaced repetition. That's why it's important to be in these type of communities and connect with people like Mike so that when you get into those programs and you start doing, getting into these exercises, it's something you have to do all, you know, every single day or at least several times a week. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Can you build on that? I can. Um, so sex transmutation is, is definitely powerful, especially it depends on where you are in your uh, life cycle as a male. Um, when, while you're a slave, um, you know, the beauty of getting past 50 is you start seeing it for what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I love my 50s so far. And I talk to, so I do my podcast with Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, who's 76, and then Gay Hendricks, who's also 76. And being around older men, um, what it turns out that for men, their happiest times in their lives, statistically speaking, are around ages 73 through 78. Um, and I believe some of that has to do with freedom from the sexual pressure and the, and the beast that lives inside you. Mm. So um, I'll tell you, so one of the lessons, one of the trainings I got from Think and Grow Rich that I modified and I used use for myself. So there's one, which is imagination. And then there's auto suggestion and, uh, and also desire. So if you combine those, those are three big concepts from the book. What I started doing many years ago is I would sleep process. I would sleep learn. So what I do is I would imagine something I wanted to feel. So I would create a feeling and an emotional experience in my mind using my imagination and an outcome result that I desired. And then 
<clears throat> I would basically turn it into the equivalent of a prayer, into a process, and I would give my subconscious permission to work on it while I was asleep. And so I truly believe, I, I believe this to be absolutely true, that outside of space and time um, and matter, what came before the beginning of the universe and what existed before then was consciousness, was mind. Mind moves faster than speed and faster than matter. And uh, mind creates objects. Um, and in some way, shape, or form, Napoleon Hill effectively, in my, my interpretation, says much of the same thing. So it's mm -hmm. like prayer can, in fact, create matter and objects. So can uh, deep meditation, whatever it is. And so um, I believe that you can manifest through your dreams. And uh, throughout my life, I, uh, when I decide to think with total clarity, um, it becomes a process to manifest whatever that is. Mm. And so um, I think one of the benefits and beauties of Think and Grow Rich is it is a practice in right thinking, some basic fundamental laws of nature that um, that just haven't changed over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for interpreting it that way. It's, I totally get it and I completely agree. I mean, everything around you right now that's physical was first a thought. So consider that. Um, but more than that, not just physical things, but your your confidence. Your, you know, confidence comes from doing, I believe, you know, when you do something, you see success in it, small little wins that builds confidence each and every time. So, yeah, absolutely. And we can go on and on. This is a topic that we can go very deep on. One of the things that, you know, turns people off about a book like this, like Think and Grow Rich and many of the other ones that I have up here is the word rich. But the key word to this whole thing is think. And that's what it's really all about. And that's what most of these books are about. Any of them up here written about multi-million, be a millionaire, the millionaire next door, all of these books that, you know, we all read. It's all about the mindset, man. It, it, it's, it's all right here. It starts right here. And it starts by manifesting it and having better, you know, using your dreams. You're going to sleep anyway, and you're going to dream. So you might as well dream about have your brain working on positive stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I think the other key word that shows up in, in the book is more powerful than thinking is desire. Mm. Um, desire, I think, is a spiritual word, and it's a, it has spiritual significance. Where thinking is, um, uh, I think it's it it exists on a lower order, a lower frequency. You mm. know, manifesting um, comes from desire, not from thinking. I think it's. Right. Uh, it is uh, a deeper, more meaningful combination of emotion and uh, feelings and, and ultimately what guides the universe, what I think propels it and powers it are emotions. You know, the emotion of love, of connection, of bliss, of experiencing um, uh, God or creator, or whatever you identify with, you know, and I uh, always tippy toe over that. PCBS, but uh, you know, it's like uh, it's whatever, whatever you decide. I don't always do a good job at that. But yeah. you brought up a key, you, you said one key word, and you've said this word multiple times already, and it is the bridge between thinking and desire. And it's the word is emotion. 
and you're putting emotion into it. It's like, well, I want to be rich or, you know, I want a million dollars or, you know, I want to have a better relationship in my life. But no, look, I need to have better relationships in my life. I need to have these relationships in my life. These are the things that I want and I can see it and I can feel it. And I can, I can, you know, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, it's just a, putting the emotion into it and it's really building on what it is that you want into your life. And it makes it, it makes it all, it makes all the difference. Yeah. So I think the distinction is think of it like wishing, wishing doesn't get you anywhere. Um, it was Wayne Dyer. He has a book called um, Manifest Your Destiny. And uh, now I will tell you that my interpretation of the book and what was in there are now two different things because at the time it had such a profound impact on me when I was reading it. I was going through a very <clears throat> challenging time. But it had to do with, and my takeaway, how I used the book is I got really, really clear that when I wanted to manifest, when I wanted to create something, I had to really get clear on how I wanted to feel, what emotions I wanted to experience as a result of the outcome, result, or benefit of whatever it was. So if I said I wanted to uh, have a million dollars, for example, if I go down to something as simple as that, it's sort of like, what's the feeling, what's the emotion that I want to experience all the time? is a result of having this money. And to me, it meant freedom. It meant time off. It meant choice. The ability to think straight without worrying about running out, not having enough, not being enough, not being able to recreate it all over again. And in doing that, I got really clear on the outcome feelings, but also the fear feelings, All where all the old um, landmines were emotional landmines and, and, um, and fears. And it enabled me to really identify with that and, and focusing on what you don't want ain't the way to manifest. Right. Um, but when you get crystal clear on that, you can paint a picture, you can compose a symphony in a movie in your mind that you can start performing daily. And I truly believe that the secret to uh, strong manifestation, also the way to great marketing, is craft a movie starring your hero, which could be either you, it could be your ideal client or customer, um, being able to overcome their barriers, their borders, their weaknesses, their fears, the bad guy, whatever that is, only along the way to discover the guide, the Yoda, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Christ figure, whatever the um, whatever you identify with, and they're your guide to reach the promised land. And what you do in great marketing is you craft a movie starring your ideal client where they self-identify with you, your product or service as the guide, leading them to the promised land and living happily ever after. That process we all have deeply embedded inside of us. It is the way we are wired as human beings is to seek that and to experience it. And so that's why great literature is great literature, great music's great music, great movies, great stories, whatever they are, as they follow the hero's journey. That is the Joseph Campbell hero with a thousand faces. And I think the sooner you learn how to do that in a disciplined fashion with yourself, you know, until, you know, even this is a, 
Um, it's a process that eventually you outgrow as you evolve spiritually. This is a, a temporary destination. It's, it's, it's a train you ride until you get off the train and it isn't meaningful any longer. That's absolutely brilliant, man. And thanks for sharing that again. How are you paying it forward now? Because I know you're doing so many other things and you're, you're coaching people, which in, in my mind is you're just doing such an amazing service uh, for so many people. But how are you paying it forward within your community or just in general? Well, <clears throat> I think the first thing to do is I want to make sure that I ro raised a good son. Um, we have one child and he's 18 right now. And he's actually uh, doing something called Knowles. It's kind of like Outward Bound. He's in the forest for 80 days without a phone with a small group. Um, so even during a pandemic um, and backpacking, doing first aid, um, kayaking, and uh, um, also a, a, a fasting survival um, thing for three days. So I'm hoping he'll come back uh, an even different transformed person. So with that, um, my wife has run a nonprofit, a philanthropic organization called the Just Like My Child Foundation for 15 years. And we, um, she's doing work with um, children in Uganda and India and also in, in North America here with Native American tribes. Um, there's a lot of girls and women who just disappear and um, they all need support and help. So that's one thing. And then I, um, you know, for years, my one of my visions, one of my goals was I wanted to help create a millionaire, million millionaire entrepreneurs. And um, my businesses revolved around helping people find and start and create businesses. And um, over the course of time, I know we've had around 60,000 or so customers and I know I definitely created some millionaires. I can't tell you exactly how many, but it ain't a million. And a few years ago, I had a, uh, a little bit of an epiphany. And it started out in a painful way, which was, uh, I remember I was waking up. I couldn't sleep. I had severe anxiety. Um, and for the first time that I remember, I, I did not want to get out of bed. I literally wanted to be dead. And I couldn't explain what was going on, except I just woke up with dread. And from the outside in, you'd look at my life and you go like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, you've made money. You've had a certain amount of fame. You've got uh, a beautiful wife, this kid. You live in San Diego. You got a place on the beach. Blah, 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 right? But something was broken. I was f experiencing physical chemical depression and I could not figure out what the hell was wrong except I felt very, very trapped. Now the cause of it was in my business, a whole bunch of things started to fail all at once and it wasn't visible, not yet, but it was not far away from being visible. Like all my marketing started to break. I started losing some talent. <clears throat> um, our business model wasn't working anymore, but more importantly, I couldn't articulate this at the time, but after I got through this journey, what had happened is I had outgrown who I was, what I did, why I did it, who I did it for. And I just had to get off this monkey wheel. And part of it, again, was my business model was very dependent upon Facebook and ads and funnels and people to make all that stuff happen. And then live events where we escalated people from a digital product to a live event to a mastermind or whatever. And I just 
the thought to to if I would say I need to quit it just to fulfill and complete my obligations and everything else was it would have cost at least a million dollars to wind it down. Okay. Plus I had a big long lease at a huge studio, a bunch of employees and I was just done. It was like, I am done, but I was trapped. And that's where the, some of the energetic black came from. So, um, the bottom line is, uh, I figured out a way to elegantly wind it down reinvent myself and make a completely different offer. And it was like at a completely different level, like the minimum to start working with me became $25,000 for a day. You know, it was 50,000 for two days. It was $250,000 to work with me for a year, which I didn't have the courage at the time to feel comfortable asking for that. Right. My old story was running mm -hmm. inside my head, but the best thing that I did is, uh, I was honest about what was going on. I told people like, I'm done with this per chapter of my life. And if you want to come with me on a new chapter, I'm going to reinvent myself. You're welcome to do it too. And that became essentially a version of what I'm doing now. And uh, it produced millions of dollars in revenue for the year, plenty so I could elegantly wind down business A, start business B, get paid while I did it, and create a new model that... Um, from a timing perspective, couldn't happen better because it's totally virtualized and dematerialized on top of it. Of course, that helps during a pandemic. But um, I had people showing up, raising their hands, saying, I feel exactly the way you described. I, I, I am so trapped and so depressed, and there's no one I can talk to about this. I'm feeling so anxious. I cannot sleep. I'm taking benzos. I'm taking sleeping pills. I am going nuts. And I've got a facade I'm trying to maintain on the outside. And, um, and so what happened to, to wrap this up was I had this big story about like, how can I give back? And <clears throat> it used to always it'd be about a million millionaire entrepreneurs, right? About this. And it was about volume, 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 side, size, size, and shallow and wide. And then I decided, what if I profoundly help 10 or 100 people? Um, completely change and transform their lives and experience more joy and happiness and really feel like they're living inside their superpowers and their dreams and experience the, the new joy I've, I've had in my own reinvention and, and being really truly happy with less and simpler and narrow and deeper. And that opened up a world of profound uh, happiness, freedom, and abundance. And it was completely transformational. And so um, that that was the moment. So I think that was my best way of giving back. Yeah, I, I really like it. And, uh, you know, I think at one point I kind of got caught up in the whole, you know, set a goal of how many people you want to help. And, you know, when I got into coaching and stuff like that, and it just – I think, and I'm not knocking anybody who has that. That's awesome. Um, I just feel I kind of took a different perspective on the matter is that if I help a business owner, then that helps their family and the families of the employees. And that goes out and then perpetually grows, you know, in that way. And that's the way I felt that I could contribute. And if it was just one business owner a month or, you know, heck, one a year, I, it really didn't matter to me. Is is because I have my, you know, being a retired uh 
army medic. I only been it up because I was gone a lot from my family, you know, away from my family. So now my priority is to spend as much time as possible with my family. But oh, by the way, I still have to add value to other people. Um, I just, I'm just wired that way. I just can't not do that. Um, but I do it to the extent of, it, you know, around my lifestyle, as opposed to doing it for a lifestyle type of thing. So again, I'm not knocking anybody who has that as a, as a goal to do that. That's great, whatever works for you. But that was kind of my perspective. And thanks for sharing that. That is, that is really profound. So we're at the point where we're going to in kind of the pay it forward round. You ready to do that? Right on. I'm all here. Excellent. All right. Listen up, Abundant Leaders. If you want to take full control of your personal economy, put your leadership and business skills to work, you absolutely can start your own business coaching business. The fact is business owners need professional coaching more now than ever. And as a business coach, you get the opportunity to put your skills to work, provide a critical service, and get duly compensated. Now, if you're saying to yourself, I would like to change careers, I would like to enhance my current career, or I would actually like to be a profitable business coach, that then brings up the question, how do you structure a coaching business? How do you get paid? How do you get clients? These seem to be the biggest questions that I hear when I'm talking to people who want to start a coaching business, specifically a business coaching business. How do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching? And how do you set up a member site to create continuity within my coaching business? And then, of course, even if you can't figure all of that out, what's the investment? Well, I'm going to answer all of those questions for you and much more. All you have to do is go to BCB. Bravo Charlie Bravo dot AP business mastery dot com. That's where I will be sharing with you how to give yourself a raise whenever you like, gain more leads than you can handle so you can be very selective about who you choose to work with. You'll find out how we get clients fast results so they stay and pay for years, not just months. I will share with you how we literally show the prospects the money so you don't have to sell. And more importantly, to me anyways, you will potentially be saving lives and marriages, possibly even yours. It really is that serious. Now, if you're ready to take full control of your personal economy, put your leadership and business skills to work, and you believe that starting your own business coaching business might be the solution, then head over to bcb at apbusinessmastery.com. And don't worry about trying to write that down. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the conversation. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. I think um, the first one, all right, this is really, really simple. Make your bed. Uh, yeah. Surprise your spouse uh, uh, with, with that. That's a little act of love and do it. And don't say anything, but do it for a week. Do it for a month and see uh, see what changes. Um, that's a really, really simple one. The next one is um, if you want to create an amazing amount of opportunity and abundance in your life. I've been teaching a strategy. It's called Money Phone for years. And the basic idea is turn off your uh, phone, put it in airplane mode, and sift through all of your connections, contacts, and text messages, and find and make a list of people 
who you know you could add value in their life and it could be a business transaction or any kind of a any kind of value at all it could be a connection it could be just a reminder hey i'm thinking about you um but you make this list it's a great way to to start riling up referrals and opportunities and new business things and what you do then is you pull out your phone and you make short little videos um, and a text message. So it opens up with a text message, which is, hey, so-and-so, I was thinking about you today. Okay. Now, if it's a business thing, you could say, hey, so-and-so, I was thinking about you today. And if you can send them a photo of the two of you from the past. And um, I woke up with an idea that I think can help you grow your business. Okay. That's the business version. So one of it's just personal. The other one is business. And then when they respond, uh, send them a quick little video. Hey, so-and-so, I've got a couple ideas that have been rolling around in my head um, that can help you grow your business. And, um, and you could tease them a little bit, or you can say, and by the way, if you'd like to um, have a quick conversation, just let me know and I'll send you a link to get on my calendar. Okay, but the whole idea is um, you start these mini conversations. If you send out about 20 mini messages like that, I guarantee you, you're going to have plenty of work. It's just going to show up. So that's a manifestation exercise. And then the, the third one is um, if you haven't kicked your own ass and sweat recently, that should be at the top of your list. Your body needs to sweat. Your soul needs to sweat. Um, your relationships need to sweat. You got to push that body of yours. And just get outside and like, uh, and the way to really feel it, do a workout in the morning, do a workout at night. I mean, really kick your own ass and you won't believe what that'll do for your mindset. And, um, if you can do it for 40 days in a row, cause it's harder in hell to do it at first, but get it rolling. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Will every single thing in your, in your life change especially if you use some of the manifestation exercises that we talked about in this episode today. All of that is extremely powerful. I can tell you from personal experience and one that's never been mentioned on here before is what you're talking about with the video. That's one thing that I do when people connect with me on LinkedIn and I look and it looks like it's going to be a worthwhile connection. I send them a video. I use a program that also puts a little call to action button underneath there. Um, and every single time they come back, uh, it's it's called Dub. You can okay. either use um, Loom, Dub, Vineyard, yeah, uh, one of those. But um, I use Dub for that one. And I'll tell you, every single person have come back and said, dude, nobody has ever responded to me with a video or made an introduction with a video ever. And it's they're short. They're, they're like 60 seconds, maybe two minutes. And if it's a business, I show them their website and show them what they're you know, could be doing wrong. You know, it's video is just absolutely powerful and it's great to do that. But even with your friends, it's great to make those connections with friends. And then of course we've got zoom and all this other stuff. There's no reason for you to not, I've met up with high school friends more during this pandemic than I have in years, just because of the technology that we had. I've been using zoom for four years and you know, it's just now everybody else is using it, but uh, zoom or Skype or something of the sort, um, but it's extremely powerful technology for us to be connected and, and use in that way. And my calendar is always full 
So as a matter of fact, oh shoot, now I gotta be getting on the call here pretty soon. So we gotta get I can be late for it, but we gotta get through this. Um right what, um you know, you've already mentioned quite a few of the rituals, so we'll jump over that one real quick. But what are you reading or listening to? You've mentioned a few books, but what would you recommend to our abundant leaders to read or listen to? Well, we've got a bunch of bunch of books I've been reading lately. One of them that I just started um, because historically I didn't read a lot of stories. So I'm reading Dune by Frank uh, Herbert right now. There's a new movie coming out by one of my favorite directors, a uh, French director who did uh, movies like Arrival, uh, Interstellar. Or no, it's actually not not those two. It was um, maybe it was uh, Arrival, but not Interstellar. I apologize. But he did uh, The Fifth Element. Um, so uh, really, really talented guy. Really, um, I love his work. And, and I thought, God, what better way to really get my head tuned to it? I just read a really fascinating book um, called Tryptamine Palace. And it um, has to do with entheogens. And if you haven't kept up with this lately there's an awful lot of interest right now in using psychedelics for overcoming um, massive trauma addictions and it's getting um, medical support right now johns hopkins university got a big donation uh, an investment from uh, tim ferris for example and um, the the work of entheogens are basically chemicals that were used to communicate um, and connect with the creator um, and, and pierce the veil of our perception of our ego. Um, but it's also used because again, they can completely eliminate a massive trauma and uh, you'll see a, a huge movement towards this. And I'm not talking about using drugs. I'm talking about compounds. There's psilocybin, for example, there's something called five MEO DMT or DMT um, that are used this way. And I think it's going to profoundly change medicine and psychology and personal relationships and also um, increase our, our awareness of just how integrated we are with nature, how connected and deeply connected. Um, so that was an incredibly fascinating book. And again, it's called Tryptamine Palace. Oh, uh, that's a new one. I hadn't heard of that one. No, it's a, it's a trip. It's definitely a trip, literally and figuratively. But um I, uh, I, I found that really interesting. There's a lot of, uh, professionals now are, uh, working with these chemicals, working with shaman and doing some deep work that can, um, really get past some deep, deep, dark traumas and, uh, give you freedom, freedom of, of your mind. And so, um, I'm not a pusher. I am, uh, an advocate for the right people who are under the right care with a medical professional for that kind of work. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? I think it's being attached to an old story. It's old egoic trauma and uh, replaying a bad record in your head over and over and over again, just replaying trash. Um, I'll say that's number one. Number two is if there's one turd in the punch bowl, everyone gets sick. The current turd in the punch bowl is social media. I don't, I pay someone to do it for me. I create content and I respond to people who reach out to me directly, but I don't spend any time on it or in it. I think it's um, high time for it to be. And I, I'll first say I'm very, very, very libertarian minded when it comes to business. I believe in personal responsibility and personal property above all things. I also think 
that social media has uh, outlived what it was intended to become and what it has become is a dangerous weapon. And you wouldn't allow a pedophile to hang out with your child. You wouldn't hand out and give them needles and drugs. You wouldn't allow them to hang out with um, uh, serial murderers. Then why in the hell are we letting children use smartphones and be on uh poisonous dangerous systems like instagram and facebook and uh tiktok uh without it being regulated and um again i hate governments in general i hate regulation it's generally run and ruled by incompetence and uh bureaucrats um it is a dangerous weapon that should be self-regulated and if it will not allow itself and self-regulate itself like uh um, the Motion Picture Association did, or for that matter, when music decided to self-regulate and rate its own albums. I think social media, I think the founders should be held accountable for uh, what it does um, and the dangers it's posing. And uh, and if, if you haven't seen um, the new um, uh, the movie that's on Netflix about um, social media, I uh, just spaced on the name, but I'll look it up really fast. I highly recommend it. Yeah. While you're looking that up. Yeah. You know, what's that? Do you find it? Watch the social dilemma. It's on Netflix. Social dilemma. I've heard you, of it. Yeah. It's, it's got brought on a bunch of people who are responsible for crafting and creating, um, uh, some of the, the tools that are in social media today, like the endless scroll. So that mm -hmm. some of the coders who created the stuff that purposely was designed and engineered to create addictive behavior, they're on there just regretting their inventions and saying it's been mis misused and abused. And, um, and social media is our number one uh, dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like, you know, dynamite. I mean, the guy that created dynamite created it for a tool. And then mm -hmm. it turned into a weapon. And then he went on to, you know, the story goes on and on, you know, about mm -hmm. the whole bit. Chemical weapons is, is the same thing. Um, even our cartoons, I literally was just um, watching a, a short documentary type of thing about uh, cartoons since the, even since the 90s, even cartoons back in the 70s. They they're mm -hmm. were sexist, smoking, and even some of them have a, like, even SpongeBob has a lot of different, very adult innuendos mm -hmm. in those cartoons. So it's all about self. The key was self-regulation. I'm not yeah. big into government getting involved in business either. Um, but there's certain things that absolutely um, the signs are there, like the pedophiles and all this stuff and social, not just social media, but media in general, the, mm -hmm. the blatant way that they headline things to lead you to believe one thing. The problem today is, too many people don't dig below the surface. They don't even open up the paper. They read the headline. Mm -hmm. They don't go into the story. And then you find out that the story actually has not a whole lot to do with the headline. It was nothing more than clickbait or just something to pull you in. in, in actually, not even clickbait because they're not even getting into it. They're just repeating it. Yep. And that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest problems amongst others. So we can yep. go down that rabbit hole for sure. It's but a big steaming but, toilet. I wouldn't waste my time there. There. That's, yeah. that's my summary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you? I think it's about waking up with a mindset, um, being, uh, making sure you're healthy in your mind and your body, that you've got healthy relationships. 
Um, I happen to believe you can, uh, uh, you know, I'll look at a lot of successful people. Um, and uh, they've got miserable marriages. Their kids don't like them. They don't like their kids. That's not a life of abundance, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, now I'm not, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but I'll just say it. Like Gary V's life to me would be hell. Everything about it. There's nothing attractive about that life. Mm-hmm. I've known Tony Robbins for 20 years. I would hate his life. Okay. Hate it. I, to me, a, a, a life of abundance is freedom from and freedom to. It's about freedom of, uh, these are the four freedoms that Dan Sullivan talks about, which is time, money, relationship, and purpose. Um, I think of abundance is never having to do something where life is all about choice, waking up with nothing but choices, no have tos mm-hmm. and where want tos and should have dones and should dos are non-existent. Um, so it's living a life and no regrets. That to me is a, an abundant life, a life of simplicity and elegance. That is an abundant life. Excellent. Excellent. And guys, listen, that is Mike's life. That is his life of abundance. And it's very close to mine as well, because while I do do some of the stuff that Tony Robbins does, I never want to do anything at that level. I mean, owning 30 different businesses and having obligations to be here, there. And I have obligations on my calendar that sometimes I'm like, I got to make, you know, I do that because I want to make that, that I owe that to that person. Um, but at the same time, I don't let that get on my calendar if I really don't want it on my calendar. And that is my life of abundance. That's what, and then of course I give to others and I give my time and that's what I do. So good on you. And, and it's, that just proves the point that why you're here, because you 100% recognize what life of abundance is to you. And I greatly appreciate that. Well, thanks for the opportunity to be here while I appreciate you and uh, great questions. And um, I wish you, your family, the very, very best. It's uh, great that you get to have a show and a program like this and connect with so many people. It's, uh, it's really a privilege. It is indeed. It lifts me up every single conversation, man. I get a chance to, to have these conversations. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. Go off, live your life of abundance, Mike. Keep paying it forward because you're doing amazing things in the world. And I personally appreciate it. You got it, man. Bye-bye. Thank you, bro. Bye. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.